Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Walden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today for episode 371. We've got another great show for you today. We're going to be talking with uh, our friend of the program and uh, my personal friend, my buddy, Mr. Eric Ream. Now, uh, as you may know, Eric has joined us on the podcast multiple times to unpack the nuts and bolts of the speaking business. And today we're going to be talking all about handling cash flow. Now, we've all been there, Eric and myself included, we're, we're, we're trying to build a business with limited resources and tight cash flow and desperately trying to make ends meet. You have, uh, you've probably heard us talk about it before, but one of the goals for all of us is we just want to eat and live indoors. That's it, right? We are by no means financial experts, but I will tell you this, that Eric and I have learned a lot along the way of building our own businesses. And we are here to share some of those golden nuggets. As a speaker, your business is cyclical and no one month will look like the same as another. And so during our conversation, we're going to walk through the four different cash flow management must-haves as you build your business. We're also going to talk about accounting for every dollar that comes in and the financial buckets that you should be prioritizing. And we're just going to swap some stories of, of building sweat equity and busting our butts and doing what it takes to build a successful and sustainable business. We have packed this episode with a ton of tangible takeaways to get you building a business with a strong financial foundation. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation on managing cash flow as a speaker with Eric Green. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Eric, it's been a minute, but uh, catch us up real quick. How you been? What's what's happening in uh, in your speaking world? Uh, everything's going great, Grant. Uh, in every facet of my speaking business, life is good. I've been scaling up in every area, adding team members. Uh, we're going to have another record year this year, which is phenomenal if you think about it. I had a record year last year. In fact, I was thinking about this, Grant. Uh, since you and I met in 2015, I've had a record year every year. So Crazy. there's a, there's a, when you think about what's changed in my life, there was the Grant Baldwin effect. So you and I <laughs> got together in December of 2015. I've never looked back since. I want to have a record year this year. And as you and I were talking, I have another record year next year. So really life is good. I got my uh, sixth book coming out in February, which is unbelievable. And I think about that. I'm really excited about it. In fact, you are in it because actually you're actually in the book by the way. So you're going okay. to, I'm not going to tell you where you are. You have to go find it. I don't know so if I knew that. I think that's news to me as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're actually in the book and then you, you did a, a blurb for me and it actually made the cut as I was telling you. So I appreciate all the help, man. You, you've been a big part of my life, man. So it's an honor to be hanging with you. 
You bet. I appreciate the kind words. Well, all right, let's talk about cash flow because one of the unique things about speaking is speaking is very, it's very cyclical and meaning that you have months where you make bank uh, and then you have months where you make squat uh, and everything in between. I remember like, I remember one month I had early in my speaking career, I just booked a string of stuff and I ended up uh, earning more in that one month than my previous job's salary for the entire year, right? So you have a month where you made just a stupid amount of money, but then another month where you just literally make nothing. And so you just have these huge, huge highs and lows, ebbs and flows. And so you have to understand, you have to learn how to navigate these things, manage these things. Uh, and before we get too deep in the weeds here, I'll also just give a disclaimer that we're going to talk a lot about finances. We're going to talk a lot about money. Uh, but Eric and I are just sharing our examples. We're not experts. We don't know what we're talking about. So you should really listen to nothing we have to say. So there's your, your disclaimer. Talk to, a, talk to a money professional if you really want some actual help. Uh, okay, let's jump in here. Um, so first of all, let's go back in time here. When uh, You remember when you got your very first speaking check. I remember for me, it was, and I shared this in the, the book, The Successful Speaker. It's kind of the opening chapter. Uh, I remember going to speak somewhere that got paid a thousand dollars. And it's one thing like when it's on a contract and you kind of, you know, verbally or, or agreed to it. But then when like they hand you the check and it's real money and like, I'm going to go deposit this. This is real money. Like it just becomes very, very tangible. And so I, I think there's a, a misconception, at least for me early on that like, oh, I made a, I got a thousand dollar check. Therefore, I have $1,000 to spend. And it just absolutely does not work like that. So Eric, I'm curious even for you, like what was, do you remember getting your first uh, speaking check? Yeah, I think every business owner, when you're doing something that you really want, desire to do, you remember that first payout. Mm -hmm. And I actually remember how I got it because I was actually taking a nap grant. I was, I work, I worked from home before working before the pandemic made it cool, you know? So I've been working home for a while now and I always take a nap every afternoon. I take a nap and normally I don't answer my phone and I got a call and there was a guy on the other end. I actually picked up the phone. I was kind of groggy and he said, I heard you're a speaker. That was weird. Cause nobody ever asked me that. And I said, yeah. And he goes, how much do you charge? And I just said a thousand dollars. Don't tell me. I don't know how I came up with that number. Maybe, maybe that's like the entry for speakers. It seems like a thousand dollars. That's, seems like, that's you know. the number. Yeah. So I said a thousand dollars. That sounds good. And I remember doing the event. It was in South Dakota and getting that check and you're right. But I'll tell you one thing I remember even more is when I started getting multiple checks and they started coming on a regular basis. There's nothing more exciting when you go to the bank, your, your mailbox and you open up, there's checks in there all that has kept coming. And mm -hmm. I actually took a picture of it early on. I don't get many paper checks anymore, but per early on, I think I shared one on the speaker lab community in the Facebook, I had a stack of checks. I just took a picture of it and just blew my mind that people were paying me to do what I love. So yeah, I remember for sure, man. Well, and like we talked about kind of those ebbs and flows, like you may have a, a, a day or a week where you go to the mailbox and you're just check after check after check after check. And you go like, you go weeks and like, I would love to see any form of income right now. And part of it is like the, again, the time of year, there's some seasons that are busier than others. Some of it's the, when you're getting oftentimes deposits are coming a different time than when the actual event happens. Ideally you're being paid at the time of the event, which is something that we teach, but there may be events where maybe they don't pay until a week or two after the event. So you just have like these things that some are outside of your control and you've got to really normalize it and manage that cash flow. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We've got four big ideas, what to do with the money that you earn. Uh, and, and so uh, that's what we're going to kind of walk through today. So first of all, uh, let's jump in. Uh, number one is treat your speaking business like a real business. Treat your speaking business like a real business. It reminds me, I'm a recreational golfer. I wish I was better, uh, but I enjoy playing the game. And there's a, a PGA Tour pro and uh, a line he's become known for. When he hits a good shot, everyone's like, oh, that's an amazing shot. He always says, this ain't no hobby. 
And he said, there's a difference between treating something as a hobby and treating something like a professional. So for 99.9% of us recreational golfers, you know, we hit an amazing shot and like, that's unexpected because it's just purely a hobby. But if you're a professional, if you're getting paid for this, if this is your career, if this is the business, like this ain't no hobby. And so you have to treat your speaking business like that, that this ain't no hobby. I also remember, especially early on in my, my speaking business that I was, uh, and I've shared this a bunch, but I was kind of working a hodgepodge of different jobs and was just trying to, to make ends meet. And so anything that I was doing from a speaking perspective was just on the side. You're just trying to get something up and going. And so it felt like I was, I was working a lot. I was working all the time. I am, uh, I'm, I am working, uh, one side of the, of, of things, trying to just pay bills and eat and live indoors. And the other side, you're trying to start a business. And so it just requires, acquired a lot of energy. It required a lot of time. And so if you, if you plan to make speaking a, a part of your, your financial future, then you have to treat it like a business, uh, like you would any other type of business. And so what does that mean? It means, first of all, that you have a business owner mentality, meaning that you really clarify the amount of cash that you need to run your business. And, and in the beginning, it's, it's really pretty simple. The expenses are pretty straightforward. You go speak, you collect a check, and some of those expenses are going to be your taxes. We're going to talk more about that, that you got to set aside for that. Any travel expenses that you have, setting aside some for uh, future investments into the business. But you have to, again, think about it as a business. I, I remember another speaker friend telling me early on, it's not how much you not how much you make, it's how much you take. Meaning that again, just because you have a thousand dollar check doesn't mean you're going to take home a thousand dollars. Early on, you're going to be running pretty lean, and you really just want to be focusing primarily on marketing, on sales, on booking gigs. So, uh, having a good website, investing in good demo video, headshots, having a good CRM system. Uh, but for the most part, like other than that, there's not a ton that you need. But again, from the beginning though. It's it, if you're you're treating this like a hobby, you're going to get hobby results. But if you treat this like a business and you're going, no, no, like this is something that is going to take time. I'm going to build this. I'm going to build momentum. But I, I've got to I've got to treat it as a business if I want to see business results. Uh, Eric, did you find that the same to be the case? Yeah, I had a mentor of mine, Grant. This is before I got into speaking. He he was a really successful entrepreneur, and I I'd kind of you know dabbled in some other business opportunities. And one of the things he taught me is he said, don't eat your seed. And what he meant by that is Every dollar you make is seed money for your business and you need to look at it as such. And in the beginning, you're going to reinvest a lot of that money back in your business just to give it some fuel, right? And to start the the, the, the wheels of churning so you can get the, 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 the wheel moving, the train moving so it'll, it'll operate, right? So you need the fuel. That's the seed money. So don't make the mistake of spending your seed money on things that aren't going to contribute to the growth of your business. That's the bottom line. And that's what you need to, and that's number one thing as far as building a business is all business owners that are successful understand that cash is important. So when you start to earn cash, how are you going to use it to grow your business first before you fund your lifestyle? Yeah. And as we're talking about this, for some of you who are listening, you may be immediately resonating and going, yeah, this makes total sense. I love this. I, uh, I get this. And for some of you just like, and I just want to speak, you know, I, I don't, I don't care about all this other stuff. I, I don't care about the business stuff. I don't need to know about that. You absolutely do. You cannot stick your head in the sand on this stuff. And it kind of reminds me, there's a, a good book called the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And he uses this analogy of, of someone opening a bakery. And so he talks about, there's two different skill sets. There's the skill set of being a baker. 
of baking cupcakes or bread or whatever it is that you're going to bake, the actual art and craft of what it is that you're doing. But then there's also the skill set of running the bakery. And those are two different things. And if you're really, really good at baking whatever, but you're not worried about cost or cash flow or any of those things, like you're going to run out of business. And if you just focus on the business side of running the bakery, but you're not paying attention to the quality of the product that you're providing, you're also not going to be in business. And so as a speaker, speaking, actual standing on stage speaking is less than 5% of what it is to be a speaker. If that, like so much of your, so much of being a speaker is actually running the business of being a speaker. And that's where so much of the, the sales and marketing comes from. And so one thing that's really important to do, again, this is just super, super basic, but you have to, in order to treat it like a separate business, you have to have separate checking accounts, separate business accounts. So uh, from the beginning, I had two separate accounts. I had, uh, well, I had, I had my personal account, but then on the business side, had a business checking account, which is really just a, it's a personal checking account, right? You can just open it as a personal checking account. And I also had a, a tax savings account. So anytime money would come into the business, I got that very first $1,000 check. Uh, I would allocate a certain amount of that money that would be transferred over to the tax savings account that was out of sight, that was out of mind. I would pay my quarterly uh, estimates on that um, for taxes. And it was just completely like uh, pretend it's not there. Because again, taxes is one of those things that can really, really screw over a speaker if you're not paying attention. And so setting that money aside in a totally separate account where it's out of sight, out of mind, you do not want to be running your business based on how much does my bank account have today? And that determines whether or not I can uh, can afford it. You don't want to do that, right? So you want to, again, especially when it comes to taxes, put that totally uh, in a separate account, pretend that money does not exist. And then once a quarter, I would drain that and I would pay my quarterly estimates. But again, you have to set it up totally, uh, completely separate and run your business through that. Don't run your personal expenses through that. Don't run your business expenses through your personal account. You have to have them completely separate. No commingling at all. Eric, anything else to add to that? No, I think, I think that's really important. You say it's simple, but sometimes the simple is what gets us in trouble because we focus so much on the other parts of business. We don't think about the simple things. And so in the beginning, if you're not organized, Grant, you start putting money into account, but you're not organized and say, you know, what? I need to separate these. so They don't bleed in together because you and I, we have spouses, right? And our spouses are managing money and doing things. And so we got to keep things very separate. And I like what you said, uh, it doesn't have to be a business account. Don't overthink this. It could be a separate personal check account. You just park that money in to use for business operations. So I love the way you laid it out there. Cool. All right, man. What's the uh, the second big idea? Well, we're going to take that one step further. Uh, what you just talked about, the separate account. And I, the second big idea is to put your money in the category buckets. Now, you, one of your previous guests, Mike McCowitz, wrote a book called Profit First. And so this is loosely based on that. I don't, I don't follow it exactly the way he talks about it, but I do follow some of the pr- main points. And the one thing I like he talked about is that you need buckets, th- that your money has a job. So everything, every dollar has a purpose grant. So every cent that you bring in should be assigned to something. And so so there are five accounts that I put in. This is based on the profit first methodology. Number one is I have an income account. So you just talked about that. I need a place for the money to park. So when the money comes in, it has a temporary holding spot uh, and it's the income account. Then I have four accounts that I use, Grant, that runs my business, that runs my life. The first is a profit account. Uh, that's a profit first concept. The second is the owner's account or owner's compensation account. This is where I pay myself. 
All right. The, the next one is the taxes account. You just mentioned that the tax savings account. And the last is the operations account. And this is where my business is run from grant is from this. Now, when I started doing this, it really made life a lot cleaner for me because now uh, I would not allow the money to co-mingle with the other money in, the, in my bucket. So like, for instance, if I need to do something operationally, I'm not sneaking money out of the taxes account grant. Those mm -hmm. things are assigned different. In fact, when I meet with my accountant oftentimes, They'll say, well, you got this money in your bank account. I said, yes, all those monies have jobs assigned to them. So I just can't arbitrarily start giving them other jobs. They're assigned a certain job. Now, here's the key, Grant. There's one thing to have buckets. It's another thing to put their appropriate money in the bucket. What I mean by that is for every dollar that comes in, you need to assign a percentage that's going to go in each bucket. All right. So what I recommend start with taxes because that, you, you, you got to pay Caesar. What is Caesar's, right? You got to pay the government. <laughs> and so uh, now here's the thing. This is where you need to consult. Grant said this in the very beginning, consult a CPA. What I use may not be what you use, but I chose 29% based on advice from my, from my CPA. Yours may be totally different, but I'm just going to use this for demonstration purposes. So 29 cents of every dollar I get in grant immediately goes in that taxes bucket. Now what I can do is I can build my accounts for the rest that's left. 5% or 5 cents for every dollar goes into my profit account. And I'll talk about what that means, how that affects me later. So every, every dollar, 5 cents goes into a profit account. Now, the last two are the big ones. The owner account, I have 36%. So every dollar, 36 cents goes into owner's account. That's what I use to pay myself. Now, how I came with that number, we'll talk about later. But the bottom line is, is understanding I got percentages. And then finally, my operations account, all the things you talked about in the really very beginning, Grant, websites, uh, travel, all that stuff that comes from this account. That's 30 cents on every dollar. So here's the key. What I do is that owner's account. And this is something that was a game changer for me. In fact, this was a business coach that taught me this, put that money in an owner's account and then drip it out over time grant. Right. So you don't put it in there like, Oh, I got this money. If I need to buy something, I can buy something. Now you got to be much more disciplined than that. You got to give yourself almost like a mini paycheck. Mm -hmm. So twice a month, I don't do it. My wife does it. She goes to the bank account and she withdraws X amount of dollars from that owner's account. So we drip it out. The profit account, this is something that's really cool. So the whole idea that Mike brings up is that as business owners, we should not be uh, paupers by running a business. We need to pay ourselves first. That's where this idea of profit first comes out of, right? And so every quarter, I go to that profit account grant and I would draw 50% from that profit account. And then that's a way for me to reward myself for running a profitable business. So every quarter I get a little bump, a little bonus, and we can use that money for whatever we want to use it for. It's kind of a fun way to incentivize for me to run a profitable business. Now, a couple of follow-up questions there. One on the, just the logistics of when you talk about these four different accounts there, your tax account, your profit account, your owner account, your operations account, are these actual four separate bank accounts Yeah. or how do you point. do that? You can do it two ways. Uh, some people I know they do it on spreadsheets. So they have one account and they do it mm -hmm. on spreadsheets. I'm not disciplined enough to do that grant. I don't trust myself. So I actually opened separate accounts. So I went to my bank. I went to a local community bank. I opened up four separate accounts. I actually named them these things. And so when I, my wife goes to the bank and she withdraws that money, she notifies me. In fact, my favorite channel, I think your favorite channel on Slack is probably the Cha-Ching channel. Sure. Uh, mine is checks received. So my wife will put in there checks received. And then I will take that then I will distribute it through my other accounts. That's actually my fun. I do that every Friday, Grant. It's a fun day when I distribute all that money in those different accounts. And I get to watch those accounts grow bigger. 
Uh, it is a glorious day. Um, now, also, how do you decide on the percentages? You mentioned, just to kind of recap there, you said taxes, you do 29%, profit was 5%, owner 36%, operations 30%. Uh, have they always been that? Have they fluctuated? How did you kind of land on those? It's fluctuated. It started out 20% in taxes. And so I had to draw a line in the sand. I had to put a marker to, to draw from it. So I started with my CPA. So legally, what am I going, what am I going to be on the hook for? So in the beginning, we started at 20%. My business has grown to the point point now that, that the government wants a little bit more. My goal is to have a target on my back. I, he said, hey, you, if you make too much money, you're going to get a target on your back. I said, I want that. I want, I want, I want that target on my back and I'm making enough money where they're going to start taxing me because of it. Right. So anyway, so 29% is where we're at right now. So what I can do is build from that, the profit first, that the profit, I just got that from profit first. And then what I did on the, on the owner's part of it, I wanted to make sure that this was a lifestyle. I wanted to create grant, right? I didn't want to be a slave to my business. And so I wanted to run my business lean and I always uh, aired towards giving, paying myself more. And so I used to be 39% and I've lowered it since then because I've tweaked some things around. So what I've done is I've just kind of tweaked it and see what works and doesn't work. I kind of backed into it, but it started in that order where I did this taxes first, the profit next, and then I went to owners. And then what was left was operational. And over time, I've tweaked it a percent here and there and I've landed on 30% for operations. Cool. Now, two other thoughts I would have. One, just from my own experience, uh, I've always done the, especially when I was speaking full-time, would do the same thing of, Everything goes into, at the time, we just called it a slush fund. And every two weeks kind of did a, like an internal payroll of, you know, uh, I may have been paying myself. There may be like, I don't know, let's say for round numbers, $10,000 in the, in the account uh, that has come in, but I'm only pulling out, you know, 2000 for my own personal income. Right. And so you're, you're putting every dime that goes in, into the business, you put it in one place, but then you're not, again, pulling that all out. You have, make sure that you have jobs for all of that. And so again, that kind of would normalize it over the course of the year when you would have a huge month and maybe that 10,000 main account gets up to 30, 40, 50,000, but you're still just needing 2,000 every other week or whatever it is. So that whenever you have, you get to, let's say a December where it's historically pretty slow for speakers. You may not have as much coming in that again, you're not like you haven't, uh, like you said, you haven't eaten all your seed already, but there's enough in there that you can continue to, to move forward. Uh, the second thing I would say, is uh, I would err on the side, again, consult with a CPA on this, but I would err on the side of, of putting too much in your tax savings account rather than not enough. So uh, we would always pay our quarterly, uh, quarterly estimates for our taxes. Uh, and then we get to the end of the year and kind of figure out the math and figure out how much we still owe. And hopefully there was plenty in the tax account. And typically for us, we would always overfund it to the point you get to the end of the year. And most of the time we didn't need much. And so that what was left over is kind of like, okay, we got a bunch, we got a nice little bonus at the end of the year that maybe we either put back in the business or take out personally. But what you don't want to do is get to the end of the year or get to tax time and realize, crap, I owe thousands and thousands of dollars that I just don't have. And I'm not sure where it's going to come from. So again, Eric and I are both emphasizing this, like taxes can eat your lunch if you're not paying close attention to it. So make sure that you are, you are setting aside adequate money, uh, each year for, for your taxes. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. 
Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. All right, let's keep, uh, let's keep cruising on here. Number three. So again, so far we've talked about treating your business like a real business, putting money into category buckets. Number three is to run lean and follow a spending priority based on operational expenses. All right. So run lean, follow spending priority based on operational expenses. And so bottom line here is you want to really be slow to add business expenses, especially recurring ones. You don't want to weigh yourself down with a lot of expenses. You know, profit is very, very simple. In order to increase profit, either income and revenue has to go up, meaning you're booking more gigs or selling more product or expenses have to go down. And so expenses is one of those sides that is easy for it to become bloated. It's easy to buy a bunch of different tools or invest in a bunch bunch of different things that you hope are going to turn into something. But if you're going to spend a dime on anything, you have to be really, 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 really clear about how you're going to get an ROI on that. Uh, and so Eric, what for you, especially early on, like, how did you kind of think about expenses? Where would you spend money versus not spend money? Well, I always thought of it as that I needed to get out and meet new folks to get gigs. Right. And right. so anything that was going to help me do that is what I focused on. And it was funny because I don't really count myself as a businessman, Grant. You know, I went to public school in Indiana and then I was in the military. Right. And then I worked for another quasi government. And then when I got out into the real world, I understood I knew nothing about running a business. But intuitively, I realized that if I want to spend money, that there's got to be a way to get it back. And so instead of spending money on a new office chair, I'd rather spend money on something that's going to get my name in front of somebody that's going to allow me to then turn that into additional revenue. So that, that's, I kept it that simple. Honestly, I said, yeah. is, this, is this dollar going to grow money or not? Yes or no. Yeah. You, and you have to be super, super clear on that because there are absolutely some things that are not going to lead to booking gigs. It makes you feel like you're doing something. Like you mentioned the office chair. I have a nice office chair. I have a nice office uh, furniture. I have a, um, uh, you know, this, I have a new outfit. Like some of these things that we feel like we are justifying and telling ourselves like, this is going to lead to more gigs. Like, no, no, like that chair that you sit in has zero impact. A folding table with a folding chair will work just fine for focusing on booking gigs. And so when you think about like some of these early expenses, so it could be your CRM, which is really, really important. I know that you use, uh, you still use pipe drive, correct? I use pipe drive, but I'm actually about to upgrade. I'm in the okay. process of doing that. What are you but anyway, to? Why, don't you, why don't you tell everybody what a CRM is? Not Maybe not everybody understands what that is. What is a CRM grant? Yeah, a CRM stands for a customer relationship management software. And it's basically a, a tool to track the conversations that you're having with potential clients. So if you think about, uh, you know, you're, you're not just going to reach out to a potential um, event planner and they're going to say, uh, yes, we'd like to book you. Let's do that. Uh, usually it's, it's over the course of several weeks or months that you're having a conversation with them. Maybe you're following up with them over the course of a year or sometimes multiple years, just following up with them. And you multiply that out by, you know, uh, dozens or hundreds of potential contacts that you are reaching out to and following up with over the course of several years. That's a lot for you to kind of juggle and keep, keep track of. So it's important to have some type of, of um, CRM in, in place. And, and you could do this uh, HubSpot has a good free one. Pipedrive is a good one. Uh, I used one early on called HiRise, which I don't think they still make available. Um, what are you What are you switching to now? I'm going to keep. And the reason keep. why I'm doing, yeah, yeah. And the reason why I'm doing that is because 
I need to get better with my automations. And so I'm not really good at that. Everything I do right now is all manual and pipe drive is really good at that. But if I'm not manually pulling the trigger to reach out to folks, then it's not working. Whereas keeps going to allow me to be a little more automated uh, and, and make sure I stay on top of mind with a lot more people. So I got a bigger network than I used to have grant. And so I, I can't rely on the way I used to do things. So I've got to upgrade the next level. But if you're a newer speaker or you're kind of just getting going, a pipe drive is perfect for that. And I think pipe drive, when I last checked was about 300 bucks a year. But that's ex operating expenses, and that's yep. a recurring expense, like we talked about. But that's a recurring expense grant. I think is definitely worth its weight in gold. Yeah, this is also another good example of where it'd be easy to look for some type of software or tool that sounds cool, that has a lot of bells and whistles to it, that's very shiny and pretty, but just is way, way, way more overkill than what for you, than what you need. So be aware of there are certainly as your business grows that there's going to be different types of software and tools and hires that you may need, but you don't necessarily need those things from day one. So be have some self-awareness there of where you're at, of what type of tool that you need that's going to get the job done without needing all the, all the bells and whistles of that. So to your point, yeah. Keep, which is the, the artist formerly known as Infusionsoft, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what for what it is today, you wouldn't have been way overkill for you early on. Yeah, and so it's right. something to be aware of. Another example would be like your, your website, your demo video. You got to have those in place to uh, to show to an event planner of here's who I am. Here's, this is what I speak about. Here's a, a sample of my speaking on a demo video. The other thing I would say, especially when it comes to your website, your video uh, pictures, you know, like headshots, is we tell speakers all this all the time, but to work with what you've got, do it with excellence and improve as you go. So I know at this point, you and I have both had multiple iterations of websites, multiple iterations of did, uh, demo videos. You don't have to have the perfect one from day one, right? So the demo video that I have today, the website I have today is much, much better than what I had several years ago because I didn't have the same footage. I wasn't as good of a speaker. I didn't have the same resources. And so again, work with what you've got, do it with excellence and improve as you go. Another area where it may make sense to invest some money is uh, on travel and traveling to certain events because there are going to be events where ideally they they pay you to come speak, they cover your travel. But I remember for me early on, there was a couple of events. One in particular, I had a speaker friend uh, recommend me to, he's like, hey, based on your speaking, who you're speaking to, you really should go to this conference to exhibit and renting a booth, uh, the travel expenses, flying different, um, uh, like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, postcards and handouts and flyers and, you know, marketing crap and, you know, it's getting all of that out there. And then the boost space, like it was thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Carrier it's pigeon. All of the things. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, if I'm going to do this, like I, I got to make sure it's worth the investment. You know, I want to get a return on that. But I, I remember from doing that one particular gig. And even though like it cost me several thousands of dollars out of pocket from the beginning, I booked a lot of gigs that were worth way more than that over time. And so again, you have to look at it from what's the ROI? What am I going to get back in return? So also being aware of professional services. You know, we've talked a few times about working with a, a CPA or uh, having a website developer, a videographer, getting consulting or coaching, working with the speaker lab and some of the coaching that we may offer. May also be aware of, of speaking tools of if you're doing a lot more with virtual, doing a uh, your virtual studio setup, your equipment for that, a clicker, a laptop, any type of software that you need for traveling or presenting. Like you just have to be aware of these various expenses. Uh, and one other one that I would mention was uh, was hiring. So this was something that I knew early on I needed to hire some help. I wasn't sure how to you know how to do this. I didn't think I could afford a full time person. Uh, and so my my very first hire was a lady that worked with me for about nine years, uh, Lisa. Lisa was amazing. And I remember early on, Eric, you were like, I need a Lisa. How do I find Lisa? And what I ended up doing with Lisa was 
the majority of the work that she was doing was specific to gigs that I was doing. Meaning when I was busy, she was busy, but it wasn't like I had a ton of, um, of needs outside of helping me with travel, helping me with contracts, helping me with logistics. And so what I ended up doing was paying Lisa on a per gig basis, uh, meaning that she was paid a, a flat amount per gig. And so there's a certain checklist of items that she had to do related to travel, related to contracts, related to follow up with the client. And so I knew like when I booked a gig, I would pass the baton to Lisa. She would take care of this huge checklist and then she would get paid when I got paid. So when I got the deposit, she would get part of that. Whenever I got paid for the event, she would get part of that. And it also, when we talk about managing cash flow, that helped me significantly because if I had a, a month where I was doing eight, nine, 10 gigs, I was paying her a lot because I had a lot going on. But if I had a month where I wasn't doing any gigs, then I wasn't paying her anything, you know, on a salary or something where I had this like fixed overhead expense when I didn't really have anything for her. So that helped me tremendously uh, early on with, with kind of navigating again, cash flow, especially whenever it comes to, to hiring. Let's, let's go back to our professional services, Grant, because I think that's something that's important and that there are certain things that you just don't have skill sets for, right. you know? And I, I understood that early on. Like for instance, there's some people that have affinity to web design and probably could dabble in that. I just couldn't do that. I knew if I tried to do anything on video, I would just mess it up. So I, I, I took some of my early money that I made grant and I reinvested it into those things. And so I just didn't overthink it. The other thing too, was I understood early on the power of coaching. And so I actually invested early in my business, honestly, and took a significant amount of money that I earned and reinvested it back into myself and got in some coaching programs that I'm telling you paid back. I mean, I'm here today because the speaker lab is one of those three legs. And right. if I didn't invest that money to do that, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be a full-time speaker today. So just understanding that there's some things that you can do and some things you can't, uh, you've got some blind spots and you need to invest to cover those blind spots. So Grant, let me ask you this. Uh, so I did get some money in the early on to do that, to reinvest. But what do you do if you just don't have money to invest in any of these things? How, how would you approach that? Yeah. So there's a few ways you can go about this. You know, for some people listening right now, you know, maybe you, you, this is not an issue for you. You have plenty of money and you're like, I, I can write a check and be done with it. And other people are like, Hey guys, that sounds great, but <laughs> where's this coming from? Right. Uh, and so there's a few ways you can go about this. Maybe one, you, you have some of just your own personal savings. And so you want to tap into that, or maybe you say, okay, I know what I want to be doing in my speaking business. And I know it's going to take a, you know, X amount of dollars to get the ball rolling. And so maybe you are, uh, from your own like nine to five regular job, you're setting aside some money or earmarking some money for that. Uh, maybe you've done a couple of gigs and you are taking money out of that. Like we talked about earlier, Eric, you mentioned you have a profit account, an owner's account. Maybe you're like, no, no, just like, I'm going to forget those for now. And every dime is going back into the business. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. We have a, um, my wife and I own a rental property and we don't need the, the rental property uh, to, or the income that the, the rental property makes to, uh, to pay our bills personally. And so we have it set up where it automatically pays the mortgage, automatically pays utilities and, and any of those expenses. And it just, it sits there and it just accumulates. And so we use that money purely for the rental real estate business. If we want to buy other rental properties or anything like that, all of the money stays in there. And so the more that you can keep in the business early on to continue to reinvest, to continue to build a flywheel, the better off you will be. Another option, I'll tell you again, personally, what I did is when, when I got started speaking, I knew I needed a website. I knew I needed a demo video. Uh, I just didn't have the money 
for those things. Um, uh, there's a, a coaching program that I wanted to invest in that I, I just, I, again, I couldn't afford. And so um, I went to my dad, my dad had done well in business. And uh, initially I asked him if I could borrow money. Um, and he ended up giving me $2,500 as not as a loan, uh, not as a debt, but as a gift and said, Hey, I believe in you. I want to invest in you. He gave me $2,500. And so I used that to attend this um, speaker training. I use it for a, a website and then use it to buy business cards, which I don't even know if I ever actually used any of them for anything, but just going to some of those families, our family, our friends, and not again, not as a, as a woe is me, but like I, for my, for my relationship with my dad, I knew that he believed in me and knew, believed in, in what I was doing. And that, that initial, you know, $2,500 investment has turned to pay off significantly. It has a massive, massive uh, ROI. Now, again, thankfully he didn't, he didn't ask for any of it back and, and it, and it wasn't a, um, alone or anything. And to that end, I'd also be really, really cautious um, because there are some speakers we talk to that are like, Hey, how do I find, um, how do I find out, get a bank to loan me money? Or how do I get a, a loan from a, a family member? Or how do I, how do I find an investor? Like, listen, you don't need those. What you need is just some sweat equity. You just need to bust your butt early on. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not a, a fan or proponent of, of especially business debt to, to build something yeah. like this. And so uh, I would have, I would highly recommend that you avoid that um, as, as much as possible. So one thing to remember as you're building your business, no matter what, you have to have a source of income. that's going to sustain your lifestyle. So right. I had, I, I get a, the opportunity to coach a lot of students at the speaker lab. It's one of the things I'm really honored and blessed to do. And I had a, one of the students call me one time on Voxer and say, Hey, I quit my job and I'm excited about building my business. What's your advice? You know, what I told him, I said, get a job because get you get need your job back. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I don't care what, I don't care if you're flipping burgers or what, but you need income to, to sustain your lifestyle until your business can take a, on its own uh, and generate its own momentum and its own cash. Because if you do that grant, you're going to start eating your seed to sustain your lifestyle. And that's counterproductive. Right. So you got to have income while you're building your business. I built my business until 2019 grant, as you know, on a full-time day job until I finally walked away. And I didn't use any of that money to sustain myself. I use it to build my business. Which again, I think is a really important to note of you. You don't want to quit your job too early. We're assuming that you're working a full-time job and building the speaking thing on the side. You don't want to leave that full-time job, that steady income, that steady pay check uh, too soon. But at some point you've got, you've got to choose to make the leap uh, if you're going to go all in on this. And so Eric, you know, I've told you this numerous times. We've talked about this. Like I thought you waited too long. Like, man, you could have done this a while ago. And so for context sake, why don't you tell us real quick, you were, you were speaking or you were working full time, but then you were also speaking, like how many gigs were you doing at the time? About 40 a year. Yeah. So 40 a year, which not was virtual, uh, not virtual. Yeah. Yeah. This is pre-pandemic getting on planes, getting in cars, going places, speaking, doing 40 gigs, plus doing a full-time, uh, full-time career. And so mm -hmm. don't say like, Oh, I have three gigs. I can't be a full-time worker. No, no, no. Like you absolutely can. You need to make sure that you're, you're balancing your business growth, your business ambitions with also, again, making sure that you can, you can eat and live indoors. And that, that leads us to our last one, Grant. I think really to me, I'm most excited about number four, that is build a cushion of cash in your bank account. Why Grant, you know, this cash is king. Speakers can have a great message and they, they could actually be really good speakers, but ultimately they'll fail. And I actually know speakers that, that have not made it that are really good, but they fail because they have no cash to sustain their business and their lifestyle. So Grant, what was it like when you first started out cash? What was it like for you? Was it Were you pretty strapped for cash in the beginning and was it pretty lean for a while? And when did that change? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There are certainly times where you're going, 
you know, when I just booked a gig, how soon can you give me a deposit? Right. Uh, Cause I really, I really could use that deposit or one of those things like telling the wife, Hey, don't feed the children this week. Cause next week, <laughs> next week I got three gigs and we're going to, I'll have a whole bunch of money, but just hang tight. So yeah, absolutely. You just, like we talked about at the beginning because speaking is very cyclical because it's very, you have these ebbs and flows, these highs and lows, you have these huge months and then these dead months and nothing in between the quicker you can build up kind of the main reserve there that you can, you can be again, pulling from not in like big chunks, but these small little chunks, the quicker you can build that up, the more you have there, uh, the, the better off you'll be. And that does, yeah. that's been the case even fast forward to today. Like the speaker lab is a, uh, is a multi multi-million dollar business. And we have a lot of employees. We have a lot of, uh, of expenses and we keep a significant amount of money in the bank. Uh, and I tell the team regularly, like I like to sleep at night. And so I never have, I never want to worry whether or not we can make payroll or anything like that. Like we, we don't have any of those issues because, because like you said, cash is king and we want to build that, that cushion of cash. And so that's, that's true at any stage of business is making sure that you keep that cushion as, as big as possible. Okay. Let's talk about that cushion, Grant. There's a couple of key areas there. And it's one of the things I did early on that really helped me. And that is building a, a cushion of cash you know, it was a huge deal for me. There were two key areas around this concept. Number one is I wanted to build a business where I had at least two months of cushion in those uh, those five categories I mentioned, Grant, Mm -hmm. in three of them. So the first one is the owner's account. I wanted at least two months of cash in there. So when I was dripping money out of there, I knew I could go for two months with no extra income, like you said, be able to sleep at night. The next is the taxes. So I didn't pay quarterly like you do. I have a different methodology, a different system set up. I actually pay it uh, bi-weekly or bi-monthly. So I'm continuing to pay. And mm-hmm. so I want, I have to have a certain amount of money in there to do that. And operationally, I do have some recurring expenses. Now I, re- I do run lean, but I also, I still have recurring expenses. And so I need to make sure I have enough money. in. so I want at least two months. Now here's a fun, fun thing about the profit account, the profit account that we mentioned earlier, 50, I take 50% every quarter that also doubles as an emergency fund. So worst case scenario, things go south. Let's say the profit account has 10 grand in it and I need cash. I can go to that profit account and that and use that as kind of a backstop if things really go south. So not only do I have that two month cushion, but I also have a mini quasi emergency fund waiting for me in that profitable account. Now, here's the next thing. Here's the game changing. You ready for this grant? This is going to get exciting. So not only do you want two months of cushion, but the next thing is I wanted I want this out at least 16 weeks ahead. So I wanted to have uh, a vision of where I was going in 16 weeks out and I needed to have positive cash flow. And I'd like to I want to set up a business where 16 weeks out, I knew that from today, then that 16 weeks from now, I would have at least two months cushion. So I want to build my business. So what that did is allowed me to kind of see how the cash flow was going. Now, let's say that a week eight or week seven grant. I noticed that things start to go south. I even get negative. What that does is it gives me some time in this scenario, two months to figure something out, to make some tweaks, to make some adjustments, to prepare myself, because I can see that things aren't going to work well in about two months. That's why I need to have that. Now, it was a business coach that taught me that. And I would tell you, I, before that grant, I was going blind. I, 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 I knew I had two months in the bank account, but I didn't have that, that one last metric but when they gave me that metric, it became a gift for me. And I had the spreadsheet that allowed me to do that. It was once I had that, I started having the conversations with you about possibly walking away because I could constantly see, man, 16 weeks out, I'm good. In yeah. fact, right now on my business accounts right now, Grant, 
every one of my accounts, I have six months of cushion. So two months mm-hmm. is the minimum. I've got six months of cushion. So I, I've taken it to the next level. So I wanted to have that 16 weeks out and it allows me to make adjustments if I need to make adjustments. So yeah, l- let me jump that. in here. So uh, um, a couple of things. One is that you mentioned earlier that you're like, I don't, you know, I don't consider myself much of a businessman. And my guess would be that there's a decent number of people who feel similar, who I just want to speak, you know, and I'm not really worried about these things, but you've had to uh, learn, teach yourself, pay attention to these things. Because again, you like going back to the first point, you have to treat this like a real business. And so you cannot just stick your head in the sand and say, "Ah, I just, I did a bunch of gigs. um, And so I assume I made a bunch of money. Like it just does not work like that. And so we're talking about not only from a, um, from a P and L standpoint, your profit and loss statement of how much you're making and, and spending, but also again, like we're talking about like your cash flow of you may have a stretch where uh, you're making a ton of money and a stretch where you're not making much money. And you have to make that balance out. Whether you understand numbers, whether you hate spreadsheets, whether you love this stuff, it doesn't matter. You have to pay attention to it. You have to understand it. You cannot stick your head in the sand. You cannot make decisions based on whether or not the, what the, the bank balance shows you on any given day. You cannot think like that. Like you really have to learn to love the stuff and to pay attention to the stuff and to not ignore the stuff. So again, huge, huge kudos to you for paying attention to it and learning to, to understand and figure this stuff out. So I'd be especially curious early on for you when you're going like, I don't consider myself much of a businessman. I realize I've had to learn this stuff. What have you done that has helped you to get to a point where you're like, I understand that I have to pay attention to this, that this is a lifeblood of my business. Well, I just, one thing I realized, Grant, is that I love being a speaker. Mm-hmm. And I love my lifestyle and I don't, I don't want to ever go back to working for somebody else. I don't want to go back to the nine to five job. And that fear of not ever wanting to go back is enough motivation for me to figure out what is it going to take to keep the ship afloat. Right. Yeah. And so I just realized that there's certain things that you have to do cash being one of them. And I just realized that I had to build a system in place that allowed and also surround me with the right people. So that's another thing. I don't consider myself a business person, but I've surrounded myself with really good business people. Like I, I consider you one of those people where I can bounce ideas off you. I can, and there's been many times when you and I've talked about different things. I just say, Hey, what do you do in this situation? And so um, I've surrounded myself with the right people, built the metrics in place. So I've got constant mechanisms in place. that's going to tell me if there's a red flag, that's the main thing. Yeah. And so I think is if you want to main, if I want to do what I love, then I got to do what it takes to continue to do what I love. And this is one of those things. Yeah, very true. Uh, All right, let's wrap up. We've covered a lot here. So again, let's kind of summarize what all we've discussed. Four big ideas when it comes to cash flow in your business, what to do with it. Number one, treat your speaking business like a real business. Again, this is this ain't no hobby. All right, treat it like a real business. Number two, you like that, don't you? Uh, Number two is put your money into category buckets. We talked about those, uh, especially the the book and resource Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Definitely check that out. Uh, Number three is to run lean, follow a spending priority plan with your operational funds know what you're going to spend money on, make sure you're clear on how it's going to get you an ROI. And number four, like we just talked about, build a cushion of cash in your bank account. That cushion of cash uh, helps you to sleep at night. So the bigger it is, the better you sleep. Uh, Eric, we've covered a lot here. Any final words here before we wrap up? But I would just say, be patient, be patient with your business. You know, nothing happens overnight. And when you do get the money, just reinvest it back in your business and in the areas that's going to bring you the most return on your investment. If you just do that, and continue to feed your business, your business will reward you in the end. So follow what we discussed, be patient, lean into it, and we'll see you on the speaking trail.
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.